welcome to Beauty in Education. From the Square Butte of North Dakota, I am your host, Lisa Guzwell. This is season one of Beauty in Ed, where we focus on North Dakota opportunities for professional development in our state, rather than looking outside of our state. Today, we get to welcome Deanna Kruger from the North Dakota Literacy Association, one of my favorite professional development organizations. Um, Deanna, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about um, North Dakota Literacy Association too? I also wanna add in that they have running t-shirts that they do and they say get lit on them. And that's part of the reason that I joined your organization. But yes, tell us about you, Deanna. Okay, well, I love that and, and I'm so honored to be here. So thank you very much. I am, I've been in teaching for over 20 years, taught in three different districts. Two of them have been in North Dakota. Um, right now I am a reading specialist, uh, but most of my time in education was in the classroom. And I also served a few years as instructional coach. Learned a lot in that role too. Um, I don't know, what, what else would you like to know? I, I'm, I'm co-president of the South Central Literacy Chapter, SCLC, we call it for short. And that is kind of like a, subcategory of the North Dakota Literacy Association. And that's the area with the Bismarck Mandan area, right? But yeah, and it actually even goes beyond that. Um, we are comprised of, I think it's nine counties. And I'm going to tell you those counties, because if you have teachers in uh, these counties that might want to reach out, I, we'd love to hear from them. So it's Mercer, Oliver, Morton, Sioux, Burley, Kidder, Logan, Emmons, and Macintosh. So that's kind of a, a big area. Yes, it is. And you guys run um, some really engaging events too that keep all of us in these different county counties still participating with one another during the year. And as I understood it tonight, you just came from a South Central um, event that you led. Can you tell us about that event? I would love to. So um, I know that you participated in some book studies last year, some book study opportunities that our, our larger state chapter provided. And our chapter, our local chapter, SCLC, is providing one of those again for the state. That one is actually, this one is geared really more towards um, primary grades. And it was Choosing and Using Decodable Text by Wiley Blevins, somebody I, I respect quite a bit. Um, anyway, so we were leading that book study. And one really great thing that has happened, you know, you try to look at the positive and, and COVID is not a positive thing, but we're all so much better at these virtual platforms. And so these book studies can be offered to teachers anywhere in the state. We all hop on the link and interact with each other. And I did just get home from that minutes before coming on. And you guys have a pretty active organization. I've, uh, I'm, I'm involved with both the North Dakota Council of Teachers of English and the Red River Valley Writing Project. So also literacy associations like yours, but your book studies, there are 50 plus elementary teachers. And can I tell you, like no organization is getting elementary teachers except for your organization. Um, and I think it's really in testament to you guys choose great books um, to study. You have a really in-depth knowledge about what's currently um, needed for those elementary teachers. And like I said, you have those get lit t-shirts which draw people <laughs> like me in. Like, I, And I haven't gotten to, so since I've signed up, it's been three years, I haven't been able to do one of your 5K walks yet because of COVID, but once once you guys have it, I will be there to get my t-shirt. Okay, that good deal. I see you there. <laughs> okay. Um, now a now to tell um, the viewers a little bit about Deanna, I was in one of her book studies that was called Who's Doing the Work by Kim Yaris. And um, it was completely out of my element because I'm a middle school teacher and they were teaching me um, lower elementary skills, but there was so much that I learned and specifically from Deanna. So she, no, I'm serious. <laughs> 
I really am. You videoed yourself working with a student and I hadn't understood until I watched that video of you working with a student, just how much patience and how much trust you need to have in that student that they're going to be able to decode on their own. They're going to rely on their strategies because I didn't think that I was rushing in until I watched your video. And then I was like, okay, so I need to take some steps back and let them consider what are the different strategies they've learned so that they can do it. And um, it's, it's really changed my approach to um, especially my students who struggle in school. So um, can you tell us a little bit about like, how did you develop that patience? How did you um, start working towards um, having the students doing the work? Because I mean, that goes along with that title of that book, but it, I, I really saw it once I saw your video. The book shows these like quirky little dance videos and I didn't quite get it until I saw your video. So can you give us a little bit of background? Like how did you develop that? I will do my best. So you said something about patience and I kind of giggled inside because I don't know that I'm necessarily patient, but that really, that idea of asking myself, who is really doing the work here? Who's doing the cognitive lifting? Well, if I am giving them every step on how to solve a word, how will they ever take that and become independent? How will they ever take that and decide what they need to do to solve a word? If I'm always telling them what to do. And so that book who's doing the work was really a, a shift for me. Some other training I've had to kind of piqued my interest in that idea, but I just decided I had to force myself um, to get better at that. And so I read a lot in that book about just really powerful language to give kids so that they're doing it. Like, you know, if, if they monitor and notice they made a mistake and go back to fix it, great, that's what we want. So we'd be quiet. <laughs> if they don't catch it, something as simple as try that again. And then they know I've got, to, I've got to look more carefully or something. And then just kind of tightening that up if, if they need more support. But you brought up trust and the fact that, um, I, I think you were saying we have to trust our students. Um, I guess that, that they're partaking somewhat in the learning and then we have to ask, the, it's a call to action. Okay, now you need to, to use what we've taught you and do it. And I am every day, I'm amazed at what students can do when we just give them the time to do it. And you know, some of our readers that struggle a little bit, they need some more time right now, but if we give them the time now, they're going to become more automatic and given time and as much practice as they can get, usually they'll catch up. Yeah, and I think a lot of students do feel rushed in the educational process. Um, teachers come in, we are met with these expectations. We need to finish this curriculum. And um, I think when they're being pressured like that, that they are missing these students and they're not being given that time. And it's not the teacher's fault and it's not the kids or the parents. Um, it's just that outward pressure. So I think when um, people like you as an instructional coach and a reading specialist can say, okay, Yes, our curriculum is going to get a bit behind for this student, but we need to give them that time so that they can, so that they don't essentially lose their self-worth because that's essentially what happens. Like, oh, the teacher must not care about me and my learning because they're just moving on and I still don't know how to do these things. Um, and that can start very young. And, and you, you really said it. I, I mean, the time, the, the clock is our enemy, I think, as teachers. And we start to feel that pressure of not only the, the, you know, I don't know, 20 minutes that we might have with that group of students, but the, okay, they're behind. I got to catch them up. So there's that pressure too. And then we don't allow ourselves to think through what the student needs that's right in front of us. This student needs something right in front of us. And so another thing I think is, we, we meet the students where they are, but we also have to stretch them because eventually they've got to meet up with grade level. So somehow we have to accelerate 
their process, that doesn't mean go faster. It means give them more power. And I think that's kind of what you were saying. Okay, that is super cool. So don't go faster, give them more power. Is that? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's yes. what we're doing. When we let them do the work, we're giving, if, if we are good, we're good teachers. If we're providing good instruction um, and we're giving them the power to do the work, I think that's where the magic is. We've got to have a good teacher that's allowing the student to do uh, what they need to do to grow. Now, so it takes I, a very informed teacher. It, it takes yeah. a teacher that knows his or her stuff, I guess I'll say. And that's what our chapter is about, helping teachers know their stuff. And I think teachers know what the right avenues and what the right things to do are, but sometimes it's just, you haven't heard someone else say it, or you haven't read someone else doing it. So you're in this weird place where you're not, um, not quite believing in yourself. So you're just moving along because you think that there's this invisible voice telling you, you must do it just like this. But I do think you're right that when teachers have support from an organization like yours and they're getting introduced to these books that I think validate a lot of the ideas that teachers already have that yes, you become informed and you start believing in yourself more. Um, and hopefully something like that could reduce teacher burnout. Would you say that at all? Oh, I think that's a really um, a profound thought. I think as teachers, we're asked to do a lot. And I think that's just universal. And we ask ourselves to do a lot. So burnout would be a very natural thing. Um, so having some, oh, what do I wanna say? Having um, the structure of good literacy instruction, I think allows us to feel more comfortable in making um, informed decisions. I don't think I said that very well, but. I guess what I mean is if we have a framework of understanding of how children acquire literacy, then we can use, you know, that, that art of teaching, right? We can, then we can think through what the student in front of us needs. So we have the framework, we fill it in with the art of what we know that student needs. Um, or maybe that student or group of students needs a little diff bit different approach. And so that's where we can make those informed decisions. Yeah, and something that I picked up, um, so being at the sixth grade level, and really I was primed for nine through 12 English teaching, I didn't come with many tricks in my bag for helping students um, decode um, difficult text. I didn't. And that's something that your organization helped me with because I think especially with COVID, there's this breakdown of losing these fundamental skills, not being able to practice them on a consistent basis. And um, here they are in sixth grade. And as a result, they have these missing deficiencies, but I hadn't been prepared for them until I was able to, through your organization and the support of our big teacher group, which I, I just loved hearing and replying to them in the chat. Um, <laughs> that I, okay, so now I have these students, they don't know how to say certain phonics words. Okay, how do I figure out which phonics words they don't know? Um, and you guys provide me like, here's a word study book. And I'm like, a word study book? We study words, we write down the <laughs> word, we write down the definition, that's word study. You guys were like, no, that is not word study. Now I was like, what? And then you guys gave me about, I think 20 different activities that I could now utilize, but then it wasn't just like these superfluous activities, right? Because we can get that from teachers pay teachers and then right. it's not actually connected to anything um, that's going to academically challenge our students, but it'll be cute, right? <laughs> Was that the, uh, the um, Jan Richardson next step forward in word study and phonics? Yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. it was. Um, and yeah, that. And it wasn't just giving me these activities, it gave me this assessment tool. And I loved that it wasn't electronic because how many assessments do we give our students that are electronic 
and they give us back this score and they're like, these are your target areas. And then as a teacher, it's like, but how was the question written? Maybe the student actually did know it, but how was that question written? Um, and then I'm like, well, wait, which question was it? Like, it says geometry is a concern, which <laughs> part was it shape? Um, and what was nice about the assessment tool is I could see and I could point out where the student was and then um, use the activities that best addressed those needs. And I was like, I needed this. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Cause well, I, I just wanna say that I did not lead that one. And um, I, I know a very capable person did lead that one. Um, so anyway, I just wanna put that out there cause I don't wanna take credit for anything I didn't yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, and you guys introduced me to a lot of new vocabulary too. There I was like, what is blended sounds? I don't, I don't know this term. Phonemes, graphemes, oh, phonological yeah. awareness, all of those terms. Yeah, it can get really open-ended, it was like open-ended vowels or something. There's open-ended oh, something. I have yeah, it all so written open in Open syllables, closed syllables. All yes, I, that book is well-marked. Like she had <laughs> us putting sticky notes in and I'm like, this is, I'm so glad that I'm putting these sticky notes in because there's a lot in here and it's all like treasure troves to me who definitely wants to help my students, but didn't have the resources or the time to just learn about it by myself it needed to be interactive and I needed to know that other people were out there struggling with me that somehow made it easier um, well you know you you said that your background is is more secondary and um so I was thinking well that would seem really natural to me that you know that your education didn't necessarily prepare you for these novice readers and then it made me just briefly reflect on my own um, college experience as a, as a pre-service teacher. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, I, I wasn't prepared to teach um, kids how to read. I remember graduating and thinking, and I went to a great school. I don't want to say I, I didn't. I just remembered feeling very ill-prepared to teach children that didn't know how to read how to read. And so I think that is part of the power of groups like this, too, um, you know, if, there, if there's a teacher out there feeling like, you know, I, I need some help in this area because teachers cannot be experts at everything. If you're a fabulous math teacher, you know, maybe literacy isn't your, your area. That would be normal. We can't be great at everything, but we can just ask ourselves to get a little bit better. So anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, that, that goes along. And I think teachers do need to hear that because how much guilt do teachers carry with them? Like, oh, my students didn't improve in this one area this year. I really dropped the ball on that. And they don't take that time to consider, okay, so yeah, you maybe did. But um, what were some things that you, you should still have a lot of value in yourself for having done? Because it was hard and it was challenging and you accomplished it. Um, and I just, I'm not sure why a group of people like teachers who are focused on providing positive feedback to students are so hard on themselves. If students talked the way that teachers talk about themselves, it, we would be concerned, right? You know what we do? We refer them to the counselor when we have students that do that. And yet you're right. We do that probably every day. And I don't know about you, but I've never met a teacher that didn't have some gifts in certain areas. And so sometimes I think if we cultivate what we might, what might already be our strength, that might spill over into other areas and we just become better all the way around. But that's a growth mindset thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm right there with you. I, it's um, funny, right? Because we in North Dakota, we are a very Christian state, which means that we should be able to understand the value of life. But when we're looking at our own, um, our own selves, our own bodies, we're not always valuing what we do have and those gifts, like you said, um, being able to recognize, wow, I do have um, some strengths here and I still am a worthwhile human and I don't deserve <laughs> the heap of criticism that is given to me because it can be a, a harsh world 
if a person doesn't have that self-value. Because, um, I mean, you've probably heard the, the trope, like teachers going to the parking lot and crying there. And I was like, that was never my experience, but it, I've heard it so often. And um, there's been teachers I've communicated with where they were just given like one note of kindness to them. And it was the first time they had heard it in like years. And I was like, years? And then reflecting on my own experience, I was like, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, we, we are you not know, given a lot of positive feedback. You, you, you are so right. We need to remind each other of those things. And I think when we see each other, when we see people in our building or in our district, and, and we notice that they do something well, I think we need to start telling them. Because I think we assume they know. And like you just suggested, people need to hear those things. And I'm going to share with you a little silly thing. I, I, it's going to sound really geeky, but uh, I read something somewhere about telling yourself when, when you recognize something that you're doing well to tell yourself, like do a little self-talk, like, Hey, good job on that. You know what? That went really well. You prepared well for that. Or you responded really well to that student. And I know it just sounds weird, but I think we've been conditioned to the, to the opposite. And we should start telling ourselves, our brains, our psyches, we're doing some things well. And I think those things will grow. It'll spill over and grow. I so try it, teachers. You. Try it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> if you're not ready. Um, so we've been talking about some of the issues that we see with teachers. And that just kind of came about naturally, because I think you and I both have a love for teaching and teachers. And we've probably worked through a lot of that self-doubt. Um, and we've come out on the other side. And part of the reason I know for me, the reason that I'm on the other side of it is I joined the Red River Valley Writing Project. And suddenly I was in this supportive environment where people were saying good things about me. And then I was able to um, access good resources, good people, have good conversations and really have that time, like you mentioned for students, the time to practice my own skills. And did you have something similar when you joined the North Dakota Literacy Association or was there another thing? Well, a couple of things come to mind right away. And yes, one of them was um, the South Central Literacy Association and, and North Dakota um, or South Central Literacy Chapter and North Dakota Literacy Association. Definitely because, you know, tonight, like we, we were on our virtual platform discussing our new learning. And one of the things I really love is um, I, I, along with an, a, the co-president, Deb Klutwick, are leading this study, but we are not the experts. We're learning alongside these people. And it's really fun to be vulnerable with them. I had to share tonight, you know, this, this format is new to me and I felt really clumsy. I know I'll get better in time, but I felt really clumsy. But anyway, to be with those people and have some really great conversations about literacy, and, and that's the area I'm particularly curious about. Um, was really fun and really lifting and energizing. So it keeps me, actually, I was going to say it keeps me loving my work, but that's not quite true. There was a time I didn't love teaching for all of the reasons that you said before, but being connected with people like that really lit my fire. And then another thing was um, I got to be a part of a, a group of um, reading recovery trained teachers. And that was a really in-depth, um, very highly focused, intensive training over the course of a year. Um, I won't even go into the detail of it, but boy, did that bond us. And, and so I feel like I have that network, you know, when, when something's not going well, I can reach out to any of those people and, and chat with them. So thank you for illustrating the importance of, of groups like that. We need to connect ourselves to those. And you know, I was talking with um, Nikki Fiddle-Didal. She is a big part of the North Dakota Agriculture teachers. And did you know that 100% of VOAG teachers are a part of their organization? No. And I was like, that's amazing. And she's yeah, like, well, I don't know how we would survive with the amount of challenges that we uniquely have. We need each other. And I'm like, yeah, but so does, so does, so do all the teachers. Um, so Did yeah. Did you happen to ask um, 
you know, I'm just curious, what, what do they do to get that kind of membership percentage? So I did ask her and she said that, um, it was something that her BOEG teachers in college forced them to sign up for during college and then, um, continued to encourage and have them go to conferences while in college. So I think it was just some really great college professors making sure that they were essentially forcing, not just nudging, um, <laughs> these Boeg teachers. And um, from whenever I talk to them, it seems like every single one of them really appreciates that organization. Um, but I know that ND Lit has a similar opportunity for students, education students, you guys offer a $0 membership. Um, that's and do you guys think that that's to hopefully get more um, students joining? You know, I, I guess I wasn't a part of uh, a team that made that decision at all, but I, I would assume that's why, you know, I mean, gosh, when you're in college too, you just don't have extra money. But um, that is the idea. I know we have talked about um, and we have reached out to some people at the university levels. Um, we found a little bit of a barrier. We, we have to figure out a way around the barrier. But um, when, when they're available, we're with students too, if that makes sense. But, you know, we'll just have to keep putting our, our heads together and we'll figure out a way. But thank you for sharing that um, information about that other group, because I think we could learn a lot from them. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I was like, I would like to study how you guys manage to do it because, um, you know, groups like yours that for me during the pandemic, getting to participate in book studies with local educators, that was so important for me. Um, and then the Red River Valley Writing Project and the professional development that they put on about like, how do you teach online? And I was like, I don't know. I need to take <laughs> your class. Please help me because I'm feeling frightened. Um, and yeah, having that organizational support, especially during those times when teaching has, is increasingly hard. Um, but then also just like when you're starting out, like, I didn't need to be miserable for my first three years of teaching. I could have been part of an organization that was willing to. And I know the state of North Dakota has that mentor mentee program for first year teachers, but um, there was just something about just the one-on-one. -on -one. It didn't work for me. And I think it might be because teachers are kind of competitive. You can see it during our door decoration contest. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and but once I got into that group and I was like okay and you know actually Deanna you said this you said that um, when you were leading your book study tonight it wasn't just you talking to them as a leader and that's that's probably what flipped me on my head the most about both your organization and the Red River Valley is the people who were leading weren't taking all of the attention, weren't taking all of the time. They kept directing it back to the group of teachers and honoring their expertise and honoring their ideas. And that's what creates a community, I think. Could you imagine well, if all leaders were like that? <laughs> you nailed it though. I, I mean, I think that's maybe why, you know, we all get excited because we recognize that we all have something to bring to the table. And there were things tonight that did not even occur to me, a couple of questions, wonderings that came up and I just thought, wow, I need to consider that for a bit. I need to reflect on that. And so, uh, yeah, it, and I think action research is really fun. I love to jump in and play with something, but then I also, and I think teachers want this, then I also like to have the time to practice and refine you know, hopefully before something new really comes along. But if we can kind of protect ourselves a little bit by saying, this is the one thing I'm going to practice and refine for now. Later, we can always do something else. But, it, it, you know, if we feel like we have to refine everything this year, we're always going to be frustrated. That's true. <laughs> that, that is, that is good. So, so important for you to point out. 
because how many how many of us are like fiddle with things until they're perfect and it's like we don't need to make it perfect right now we just need to get yeah. some kind of structure <laughs> and then in the future we can make it really great um hey, can i take you back to something you said because I, I i i'm thinking about the the um groups like this and the mentor program so I, I just I was thinking, you know, I suppose they serve a different purpose in a way because um, I know I used to be a, a state mentor trainer, and so I, I remember that could be really powerful for some people um, to have somebody like just one person that they could trust to to say, I don't know how to do this, <laughs> help me. I don't know how to do this when they didn't want to share. You know, a new teacher didn't want to share it with everybody else, um, and so that might be helpful for that reason. And then there's the other idea that you presented of, you know, collectively coming together, learning from each other, collaborating. So yeah, I don't know. I was just thinking that they probably both serve good purposes and yeah, yeah I think you're right. Um, and probably for me, what would have worked best was having both a mentor plus an organization but um, I don't think my mentor was part of any organizations, but I bet if she had been, she would have recommended it to me um, because I, I can't think of a person who's part of an organization that's not like, this doesn't matter. This is not important to me. <laughs> Every single person who's part of their organization like refers back to them and um, speaks to the power of being involved in that group. Um, and I think like with rural teaching, which we have, I would say majority of the teachers in North Dakota are rural teachers, it's very isolating. Um, and for those, those brief moments on those book studies, you get to see like what's happening in Bismarck schools and you get to have a little bit of um, information sharing and then you get to take your information sharing from the other schools to the lunch table and then you get to talk about what is Hebron doing what is Bismarck doing um and I've actually talked about your video with so many people oh, <laughs> to be funny. honest um <laughs> because it really did have that big of an so that was one thing like okay, so this teacher from Bismarck, this is the way that she brought reading instruction to these lower level readers. And I was like, you gotta, you gotta pay attention because this oh, is hard. You, you honor me. Thank you so much. Uh, th that's, I don't know, that, that really filled my bucket. So thank you. Can, you know what, I, another thing that you brought up that I think might be important for people to hear we tried really, really hard the last, well, especially this year, when we planned events this year, to keep in mind people that aren't in our local area. And, and right now, I have to be honest, most of our South Central Literacy chapter, that, that subgroup, you know, most of them are in the Bismarck-Mandan Bismarck area, just because proximity, you know, it, that's a thing. <laughs> but what we've tried to do this year is hold um, things virtually when it works well. But when it doesn't, we've tried to provide opportunities. For example, we're having something called learning walks that will happen this year. And so uh, locally, we're going to have um, discussion questions, um, things for people to consider while they're walking a track or something. But then that we're going to provide those to, let, let's say, you know, there, there's someone in Sioux County and their little group wants to do this too. Well, they could walk somewhere and have those questions or discussion prompts ready to. So we're trying to, you know, consider that, you know, some event in January in Mandan is not going to necessarily work for somebody in Cannonball or whatever. Okay. I love that you're connecting walking because teachers, we stopped taking care of ourselves a little bit <laughs> during the school oh, year. Man. We forgot to drink the water in the morning. <laughs> we, we are over, we are dehydrated. Um, our bladders have been stretched um, and we're not really taking those times to take care of ourselves. So I really like that you guys are connecting um, literacy to movement because um, I think that's that's healthier addressing both a, a mental need of needing to continue to connect, to challenge ourselves, and then that physical need with the wellness aspect, um, being able to walk. I love that you you, you are... I'm getting a theme from you of, of teacher self-care tonight. And you're just really speaking to my heart because 
I do love teachers. I, I don't know, special people. They really are. And I just want the very best for them. Yes. <laughs> I watched a Queer Eye episode and I don't know if you know Queer Eye, but I, I know of it. I, okay. I haven't seen it, but yeah. So um, they went to one of the cast members his teacher was nominated as their local hero. And so whenever they have a local hero, they go to them and then they like radically change um, like their style of hair because oh, they yeah, yeah. haven't been taking care of like how they're looking. Um, and then they radically change um, their living circumstances so that when they come home, they're coming home to a beautiful place um, because appearance does have an effect on our mental needs and so he did his teacher from high school and it was this very like beautiful moment about how this um music teacher had supported him as a queer um high school student and how much he just really appreciated her so they that's beautiful I thought yeah. so too so this teacher she, she's gonna sound very familiar to you I bet she would go to the school starting at 7 a.m. She'd be there until 10 p.m. She would have like extra clothes at school just in case <laughs> like she had to change in for a performance or something happened. Um, and so she was spending the majority of her day. So typically the Queer Eye guys, they um, radically change their home. But for her, they radically changed the teacher's lounge. And I didn't realize how the teacher lounge affected my mental um, perspective of like being valued as a teacher until they redid that teacher's lounge. So they they put in massage chairs and oh I was gosh. like, okay, that seems over the top, but honestly, like sometimes my heart's breaking because, um, you know, something happened to one of my students that was really unfortunate or, um, I must not have taught a concept well enough because here it is this test and they're not getting it um, or okay I've been with my sixth graders all year long and now they're leaving me to go on to seventh grade and I'm just a little bit sad about that because they're not right. going to really do come back and really share their like academic success with me anymore and I was like I, I need it I need that massage chair. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you deserve that massage chair. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I was like, what are some little things that we can do um, in the teacher's lounge to make it a place of beauty is what it was. And I was like, man, I was just very complacent about that. And now they have me thinking like, how do I make things beautiful for when my students walk in? Because I'm a very drab person. It's something that I'm working <laughs> I on. I don't believe that. <laughs> do you see the back here? There's nothing. But sometimes this is a lovely pattern. Yeah, that the beautiful teacher before me, Claudia Elbers, <laughs> she left me some, some fabric because she was an awesome art teacher. I actually had her as my sixth grade teacher. She was amazing. Um, Where did you go to school? Where did you go to school? Did you I went to school at Center Stanton and I teach at Center Stanton. Okay. Uh, okay. I, later, I'm going to ask you, we might have a connection. Oh, do you know Claudia Elbers or someone from Center no, Stanton? I, I don't, but my youngest brother graduated from Center. I, I don't know if it was consolidated at that time, but. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, he probably had her because she's she taught here for, I think, over 35 years. So like one heck of a career. And then here I am, you know, I've been teaching for four years. I come into her spot and I'm like, oh, uh, she's just legendary to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, Listen, I bet. I, I got to tell you, I, I, I don't want you to sell yourself short because um, first of all, your energy and passion for what you do is contagious. I'm just really thoroughly enjoying this tonight because of that. But also I saw some of your students writing samples and pretty much blew me out of the water because I kept keeping, how old are these students? They're only sixth graders. Wow, the length, the complexity, the accuracy in spelling. Um, there's some good work going on there, pretty sure. That is my, my strength area is teaching writing. So yes, thank you. Um, it's nice to be recognized and for, because um, you guys are the ones that judge. And let me tell you, you guys gave us one. Okay, so listeners, um, 
the North Dakota Literacy Association does a writing contest every year. And this year, um, for the younger grades, they have to rewrite a fairy tale. Um, for the middle grades, we have to rewrite a folk tale. And then the upper grades get to choose if they want to rewrite a fairy tale or a folk tale. And I'm at the middle grade. Do you know how weird folk tales are? Because <laughs> to your students or just in general? In general, okay. So I bought I bought a book because I was like I don't know what kind of folk tales there are. So I bought this book and it's of the the classic folk tales, um, myths and legends. And we, we're reading them and there are some incredible story twists in there. Like um, this one guy, he's chasing um, a, a girl and suddenly she turns into an ant and I'm like, oh no, he's not gonna be able to keep up with her. But wait, he can also turn into an ant. Oh wow, or, that is kind of crazy. Yeah, it was, a, it was a big leap. And then um, there was this, this guy who wanted to be the ruler and he he had slayed a dragon and he um, had a drop of dragon blood on his finger and he put it in his mouth and suddenly he was able to talk to birds oh. <laughs> and, and this is one of my favorite because it was like a woman scorn story um and i think it was a yeah it was a story of japan and how japan was made so it's their legend um, so this man and this woman, they really loved each other, but the woman died and the guy was really lonesome for her. So he decides to go to visit the land of the dead, which I guess was possible back then. <laughs> so he goes there and his wife's like, okay, I think I can come with you. I just got to check, check with the big guy. And then, then I'll probably be able to go, but don't look at me. And he's like, well, that's fine. So he's out there waiting for a long time. And I'm thinking like men in a mall situation. Right, right. That's the image I got too. <laughs> and he's like, I've had enough of waiting. So he goes inside and he looks at her. Well, she's been dead for a long time. So she looks hideous. And oh, he's no. like making faces like, ew. And the wife becomes super angry. And she, she sends demons after him. And now she's going to kill him and bring him to the land of the dead. So it was like this very big twist. <laughs> wow. It's kind of warped. <laughs> yes. And that's what you guys gave us. And it's hard. That is hard. But, but you know what? Speaking yeah. of that, I, I know every year um, the people that, that kind of come up with that, you know, they're, they're looking for ideas and man, I, I think you would be the person to kind of give them some good ideas. Um, so I, I'm not asking you on the spot right now, but <laughs> um, as things come to you, I think you should submit some ideas because that would be tricky. And, well, and those do sound warped, a little see, disturbing. <laughs> but they've been a little fun. <laughs> oh, good. Students, it's good for the students' reading comprehension. Like, are they paying attention? Because if they are paying attention, they should be going, just happened. <laughs> and it's really creating some reader response. I like that it was challenging. Um, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not trying to diss it, but we've had to work. At it. And, but now we are done with our research um, of it. We've read a whole bunch of folk tales and um, they've written down a bunch of great ideas and we're drafting them and we're hoping to send them to you. Um, wonderful well I can't wait to see them I can't wait to see them yeah I'm very excited to <laughs> see what we have um they really well because the material was so ridiculous they really was they found their element I think well yeah that's true it's a hook it's a hook that that weird odd stuff yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah I think you guys will be thinking what in the heck but it was because of the material <laughs> okay I'm gonna make a mental note of that <laughs> yeah you're gonna be getting some weird things um okay so um thinking about your organization I'm sorry I don't want to get back on to track because I want you to be able to share more about um your organization so who would you say that your organization mainly serves and um what kind of things do you offer them? Uh, so glad you asked that question because I did want to make the point that, you know, we've been talking about it being a 
group for teachers. And I would say most of our membership, you know, we're really teachers of some sort, classroom specialists, whatever. But we do have um, librarians that are a part of this group, principals, even student teachers you had mentioned, um, aides and paraprofessionals, uh, retired teachers uh, will still, and there's a discount for retired teachers. And even parents can be, if, if they have an interest in learning about literacy, and maybe they want to help their student, maybe their homeschool parent, um, it's open to them too. I believe they just have to be a resident of North Dakota, but um, anyway, it's open to them too. And what was the second part of your question? So um, what kind of things do you offer them? So we know book studies, um, but I'm, I'm really hoping that you'll say this one event that involves jumping and a coffee shop, because I'm very excited to bring my daughter. To oh. <laughs> Are you coming on site? I do. I want to come. Yay. Oh, that. Okay. Well, then I'm going to for sure mention that one. Um, but I, so I'm going to say this first. What I think works really well for this group is that we kind of have local people do some leading of learning, but we also do reach out to national um, literacy experts, I guess we'll say. And I don't know if you're familiar with these people, but these are just a few that came to mind um, over the past several years. Wiley Blevins, the author of that book that we're doing right now, actually kicked off our first session. He did the whole first session. It was amazing. You mentioned Kim Yaris kicked us off last year too. Um, an incredibly knowledgeable person about literacy, and she has become a great friend of mine as well. Um, Carrie Yates, we've been involved with her, Donna Lynn Miller, Pernille Rip, Gravity Goldberg, who might, um, so those last two probably are right up your alley because they are um, upper L in middle school. Um, Jan Richardson, so, and that, those are just a few that came to mind right away. But this year, some of the things that we're offering, um, we're trying to highlight diversity in um, literacy. And so there is a publishing company. I might not say their name correctly. It's either Raycraft or Rycraft books. But anyway, they have books about all kinds of diversity and written by authors of all kinds of diversity. And so when I say that, it's um, we're talking everything from um, you know, ethnicity to, but not limited to that, gender, um, transgender. Um, what else did I see by that group? I, I, I feel like I can't really remember. But anyway, that's kind of their mission, providing books for um, everyone and recognize themselves in, in books. So that one is, is coming up in November. That one's going to be all virtual. We have technology and literacy um, how technology can support literacy. Um, I think we have to be careful. I just want to put this out there that we are not just plugging kids into some kind of computer program or that we are exposing their, their physical eyes to so much of this um, blue light and all of that stress in their eyes because that can impede their reading of other material. But you talked about the um, event that this will be a fun one. It's a book share at SkyZone in Bismarck. And so we're going to host that in the coffee shop there. And it's like a speed dating. So you get to bring your favorite book, share how you use it, you know, why it works well, and so on. And that, that'll be a fun one. That one is just going to be, we don't have a virtual option for that one, but people could get together and still do it in, an, in another place. Um, and, and then um, I forgot the other one I was going to mention. But anyway, we have a lot of opportunities. We have peer observations that happen as well. Um, you can earn hours toward a credit too. And we like to provide those for teachers, especially teachers in rural settings. It's a little harder to accumulate those credits. And um, as we know in education, we, we have to have a certain num number of hours to continue our licensure. So I'm probably forgetting something, but. You guys did have that Papa's Pumpkin Patch event and I couldn't make it. And I was so upset because I was like, that would have been so neat. <laughs> it 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 was a lot of fun it was a scavenger hunt um at papa's and if you know any of your listeners have not been there it's worth the trip it, it's it's been featured on national um platforms so it's it's pretty amazing i think they're closed up for this year but keep it in mind next year yeah so like you had mentioned about um being somewhat concerned about the majority of your activities taking place in bismarck mandan 
but I think you guys have them at locations that us rural teachers don't mind going to visit. Like oh, um, Papa's Pumpkin Patch, I can bring my family there. Sky Zone, again, I can bring my family there. It's a fun, quirky thing that I don't get to do all the time. So I don't mind having to travel to attend it. And then you guys also brought up those literacy walks and some other ideas like I could organize it just in my area and see what happens. Right. Um, so yeah. when, so we've kind of talked about a few barriers to um, receiving meaningful professional development. Cause I'm guessing you have also sat through some pretty painful professional development. <laughs> um, what barriers do you see um, the North Dakota teachers facing to getting that meaningful professional development? Well, that's a really wonderful question. I think maybe the biggest barrier is the mindset in which we enter a professional learning opportunity. I, I think I have sat through plenty that, um, you know, I was thinking my time could be better used somewhere else. But um, for the most part, I would say if we enter thinking, I'll take something away from this, you know, I think we, we tend to do that. If nothing else, it, it ignites our um, reflection and maybe, you know, piques our curiosity so that we can go outside beyond that and do some research. Like tonight, uh, the questions that the participants had ignited my curiosity. And so I'm going to be searching for a, a few things on my own because I can't stop thinking about it. So that's my signal. I need to dig in a little bit more. Um, I would say that's the biggest barrier. Um, here's one more thing. You know, sometimes we're afraid as teachers to let on that we care. <laughs> we care about, we always say we care about our students. That That's a given. Everybody agrees on that. But I think we're afraid to admit that we care about learning or that we have more to learn. Maybe that's the biggest one. I, I think if we think we want to put on a show that we know so much, or I don't need to learn that. I've been there, done that. That's actually maybe the biggest barrier that I see. It's more of a mindset barrier. But of course, you always have the um, logistics of um, proximity and things like that, too. I'm curious about your view on that. On the barriers? Mm -hmm. So when you said about um, not wanting to seem like they care, that that um, sparked something in my mind. Um, so for the longest time, I avoided professional development books because I was like, I, I already know it. They're just going to say things and it's not going to be anything specific and um, it's going to be a waste. And why spend time reading it when I can look at this quick blog article online? And um, that shifted for me with the Red River Valley Writing Project because during our summer institutes, so they have like week long or month long institutes or year long. Um, they give you a book. So you have no, you can't even be like, I, I forgot to buy it. They give you the book, <laughs> they put it in your hands and then they say, okay, we're going to read for 30 minutes. So they force us to read at the, <laughs> at the institute. And I was like, <gasps> Okay, so maybe that makes this okay. And then through they reading, gave you the gift of time to read it there instead of they did. Say, make your own time. I love it. <laughs> they did. And it was something that I needed because I had been avoiding, like just kicking the rocks around um, and them making sure that I got the book and then giving me the time to read. And then they made it even more like I had to share out about what I read and how it reflected on my teaching practice. And it, it wasn't until here I am surrounded by a whole bunch of teachers. Clearly we all care. Now it's cool to care. Yeah. <laughs> and we're sharing it about learning. And I'm realizing like, wow, those blog posts, they have nothing on this one chapter in this book um, written by this very well-respected author. Just like how you had named those names. It's like, yes, those people, they're not writing these quick, blog articles. And if they are, they're trying to refer you to a book with greater explanation to it. Um, and I didn't realize 
that it was important to have those professional books, but also it was good for my students to see me with them. So it surprised me. It took me aback because now I was like reading books about my profession is cool, but the students didn't realize that it was cool. <laughs> so I here I am that. with my books about teaching and they're like, well, don't you know how to teach? And I'm like, well, I thought I did, but looking here, I mean, this is a great idea. I should be using this. And then they're like, wait, so you don't just go to college and just know? And I'm like, no, actually, like there's many years of just being confused. And, and, um, and then we read these books. So it was weird for them to see me reading about my job because they were like, wait, but then they started to understand. They were like, well, I can understand why Mrs. Guzwell wouldn't have all the knowledge on this bookshelf just <laughs> going to four years of college because they're like, these books would take at least 20 years to read. But <laughs> and, you know, um, think about what you did. You modeled yes. caring about their future profession, you know, giving a darn about it. And you also modeled that you're a reader outside of school. It's true. That's awesome. I, I, I think that has a lot of power. Yeah. And I'm hoping that with it too, they're recognizing that I'm reading these books that don't look like they're very much fun to read, but I'm doing it because I want to be better for them. So I'm hoping they're recognizing like I'm doing this because I see value in them as a student. And I know that I need to become even better so that I can better address their needs and um, hopefully make them better able to succeed in whatever they want to do when they grow up. Um, but yeah, it, it, uh, it, I think changed things for them. And it also, it also was weird for the students to hear me talk really good about teaching in general. Um, they're like, wait, you like your job? And I'm like, yes, I have fun every single day. And they're like, you do seem as if you have a lot of fun. Okay. And then I'll compliment their teachers from before. And they're like, wait, adults say nice things about each other. That doesn't seem you're doing something that's not a cultural norm, Mrs. Goosewell. So that's a good point. And, yeah. it, and it should be right. It, it should be. be. Yeah. We should be praising the teachers before us. And the kids, they usually have like at least some love for that teacher. And I think it validates the students too, to hear, oh, I did have a good teacher who did care about me. Mrs. Goosewell recognizes that. And um, I think that just shows value in their education. Like we're putting good people for you to learn from. And, and I think it would yeah. be a rare, rare teacher that wasn't giving their best almost all the time. We can only ask ourselves to do our, our best. And I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, no, but I did. I think that was, cause I was just floundering at that point. So it was good thing that you <laughs> Sometimes I say the word and, and I'm like, wait, I actually don't have anything to follow. <laughs> so you read the situation correctly. I, I, I didn't, I just was intrigued by what you said. <laughs> um, so, I hate to draw this podcast to a close, but I think we actually have more podcasts left in us, depending on what different seasons take. Um, so I don't think that this is goodbye forever. I, I definitely agree. I, I would love to, to do some more work with you. And I'm hoping I'll see more of you at North Dakota Literacy Association and SCLC events too, for sure at Skyzone. Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> My daughter has jumping socks. She talks about jumping. So excited. So um, she's ready to go. She really is. Um, so I would like for if our listeners are listening and they're like, wow, okay. So Endy Lit, Deanna Kruger, South Central Literacy Chapter, this sounds like something that um, would be beneficial to me. What are some ways that they can get a hold of? Um, your group, like what's the social media, what's the websites, what are the contact points? Yeah, um, so if you're, so we, we were going to start a Twitter account, but we've not done it yet. Um, but we are on face, Facebook. If you just search South Central Literacy Chapter, um, it'll, it'll pop up and you can request to join. You, anybody's welcome to email me. Um, I, I'll give you that email address 
It's a long one though. It's Deanna, D-E-A-N-N-A underscore Kruger. Kruger is K-R-U-E-G-E-R at BismarckSchools.org. And, and I would be happy to answer any questions or, or chat with you. Um, and those are probably the best ways at this point. Oh, but the North Dakota Literacy um, website is ndlit.wildapricot. Yep. ndlit.wildapricot. I had to just look at it to make sure I didn't say it incorrectly. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Science Association uses the wild apricot too. So oh, okay. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> connection. Perfect. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for offering your voice and the voice of the North Dakota Literacy Association. Like I said, um, you guys really were a meaningful um, group for me to be a part of during that year where I struggled with both online and in-person students. And I, I, I think the world of you and all of your team and the members of your group. Um, so uh, thank you so much for being willing to chat with me. I am so honored to have been on and I hope that in my voice you can hear all of the people um, behind me because I don't know, it, it's a great group of people. We're all excited about education and yeah, it was, it was really a tremendous honor. Mm -hmm.